The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. Good afternoon. This is Raz and Grossi. I'm here with my co-host, Ed McLoon. And we're coming to you live from beautiful Northern California. I'm a Hoffman Institute teacher and a husband, a father, and have been involved with the Hoffman Institute for over 20 years. If you've never heard of the Hoffman Institute, we are this year celebrating 45 years as a leading personal development program worldwide, helping people who are serious about change. We have 16 sites across 11 countries, helped over 85,000 people around the world. And the Hoffman Process, our most our, our signature program, is uh, really an amazing eight-day retreat of personal development and discovery. If you know someone who's done the process, they'll be only too glad to share with you their experience, and then you can go to our website and learn more. Uh, my co-host, Ed, Ed McClune, yep. is a Hoffman yep. teacher and therapist. You here, Ed? Good afternoon, Raz. Yeah, it's nice to be here. And uh, I've been thinking about it. Our guest today is somebody who I've met um, almost 20 years ago when he took the process, and I was uh, just beginning to be a teacher. Um, but it's, it's wonderful to be here with you and John this afternoon. We offer the Hoffman Process essentially 30 times a year at our site in Northern California as well as on the East Coast. If you don't know much about Hoffman, you can always go to our website, hoffmaninstitute.org. And there, amongst everything else, all the information about our courses and the teachers, you'll find information about our weekly introductory call, which is every Tuesday afternoon at 5 o'clock Pacific time. And if you go to hoffmaninstitute.org for more details, you'll find it there. Raz, I'm excited. Let's get started. Why don't you okay, get on well, and John, bring on John? Perfect. Yeah, John Cordham is here with us today. John is is um, the developer of what he calls the Cordham Technique. It's a a method, a diagnostic method for uh, diagnosing uh, illnesses in people. And um, it is, from one, from, from my perception, it's a highly intuitive uh, form of diagnosing people. But John has uh, actually developed it into something he calls a cordum technique and translated it into medical language. And he consults and speaks and teaches worldwide on what he calls sensory integration and intuitive development. And he is able to uh, teach other people his technique. He's got a book on it, and he's been featured on A&E Biography Channel series, The Unexplained. And he has uh, his work has been uh, looked at clinically in major medical centers, um, you know, with cameras and before audiences, and and he has 
been independently evaluated at 93% accuracy. And in some senses, it might be more accurate than that because, as he was telling me uh, earlier, sometimes he saw things that three months later showed up, but the medical uh, tools could not verify that they were there. But a few months later, they showed up. So I'm going to say 93-plus percent accuracy diagnosis. John, welcome to the show. Hi, Raz. Hi, Ed. Nice to have you here. Well, I'm elated. I've been so looking forward to being on the show with you two. We have certainly enjoyed our conversation with you over the years and your book, too. John, uh, tell us, I mean, how did this show up for you? How old were you when you started noticing that you could see or you were seeing things that other people didn't see? Well, I would say it was about around the age of eight. And what I noticed is that when I look at people, I don't see colors or auras, or I don't see into the body like an x-ray. I know there's people that can do that. But my process was really based in my ordinary senses. And, and using my eyesight, when I would look at people, I learned how to blend my sense of feeling with my eyesight. And I, so I often tell people I'm feeling with my eyes. And in so doing, I can perceive texture when I look at the faces of people. And those different kinds of textures that I can perceive correlate to the major body organs and systems. Wow. And uh, so what was your first memory of like sort of a holy cow moment when you said, what is going on here? I, I'm seeing something. What? Well, at the age of eight, I really didn't know what I was seeing yet, Raz. I, I just knew that when I looked at people, that there were some people that I encountered that, that looked ordinary to me and then other people would have one of these special or, or unique textures that I didn't see in the faces of, of everyone that I met. Um, it wasn't until I was at the age of eight that my parents were having a, a social gathering at our home. And there was a gentleman that came to the to the, our house that I didn't recognize as friends of our family or my parents or, or anyone in the neighborhood. But he had one of these textural properties. Um, and if I were to describe that textural property, I'd say when I looked at his face, he had um, uh, an ashiness or aridity. There was an arid quality to him. Okay. And he seemed personally uncomfortable with himself. He seemed anxious. He didn't really talk to anybody. He moved quickly around the house as though he was just kind of there to show himself, do a cameo appearance. And then he left. And I, after he, he left, my, I heard my parents say that this gentleman had just found out he'd been diagnosed with lung cancer. And so it was that evening when I went to bed at night that I said, well, Maybe what I'm seeing with these properties relates to human health. Hmm. And then, um, you know, telescope us up to a time when you started um, applying this or figuring out what to do with it or teaching it. Or well, what, what was it? When was the real breakthrough for you? At what point did something start to happen? You know, I started when I was in my teens or mid, you know, mid. In the mid-1970s, when, when Saturday Night Live was just getting started, uh, and I would also watch Johnny Carson, and I was watching people on TV, so I would see the same cast members week after week. And I began to notice some of these textural properties uh, in cast members on television or guests on the Johnny Carson show. And then, of course, shortly after in news and media, the, the, the health reports were being um, shared you know, with, you know, on national news. And so I started getting feedback. That's when I began to realize, okay, there really is some consistency here. 
And it got to the point where eventually I could watch television or go to movies, and I could say, okay, this actor or actress has this particular quality that I perceive, and therefore it relates to this particular organ. And then I had to sit and wait in the news or media to find out to get my feedback. And so that went on for a number of years. And so that's what really kept me um, moving forward with uh, discovering this, uh, what I call the body's universal code of health. And the reason it's so accurate is because these textural properties relate to all human beings. And I would say that that's what made it so accurate during the clinical observations. I don't have to reinvent the wheel every time I'm, I'm working with someone. I don't have to go into some kind of non-ordinary state of consciousness. This is something I can do just, um, you know, shopping in the grocery store or, or driving in my car. Um, so that's what kept me going and eventually led to, you know, my clinical work with, with uh, an endocrinologist and uh, adult, ner- adult nurse practitioner. So you were able then to correlate what you were seeing with certain organs and, um, and working with these healthcare providers Yes, I mean, it took me... Zero in a little bit more, huh? It took me a while. I would say it took me about four years to finally find healthcare providers that would entertain the idea of what I was talking about. So, I mean, I, I had made a lot of phone calls. I knocked on a lot of doors. And I would say one of my, one of my funniest stories, and, and I really admire this physician because he, was, he, he wanted to pursue some kind of a study, but he couldn't do it outwardly and openly. He wanted me to, to sit in the waiting room disguised as a patient. And I was supposed to look at people and make my own private notes and then, you know, report to him later. And I just had this picture of myself sitting there with, like, Ranger Rick magazine with the raccoon eyes cut out. And I'm looking through the cover of the magazine at the people in the in the waiting room. Um, but in, in terms of a, of a clinical study or something, you know, everybody needs to know that they're participating in the study. So, that, you know, this wasn't going to work doing secret observations uh, and sharing them with the physician later. Um, so, you know... You know, didn't follow up on that one, but eventually I did find um, an endocrinologist and an adult nurse practitioner in Bethesda, Maryland. And actually, when I found them, I was curious if they could direct me to someone who would be interested in, in pursuing a study with me. And when I told them what I was doing, they said, "Well, you know, we'd be interested, and in, you know, please come down to your office, and we'll talk about this." So when I got there, I figured we would just sit at the office and, and discuss these ideas, kind of like I'm discussing them with you now. But the day I arrived at the office, they just started taking me into their examinations room and saying, you know, what's going on with this person? What's going on with this person? What's going on with this person? They, you know, they weren't going to mess around. They wanted to see if this was true right away. And so based on, you know, what happened that day and the performance level, which every, I was correct in every circumstance in terms of the information that I shared. And so, that's so when they John, said it. Go ahead. But that's when they said, okay, well, we're going to pursue a study here. Great. Now, John, can you give us an example of, um, you know, not I'm not saying to name names or anything, but something you would see and what it would tell you about that person's whatever, their lungs, their liver, their, I don't know. You know, in terms of how I would describe what I call the indicators. Yeah. What are Um, you seeing? Okay. So, for example, um, when I perceive what I a thyroid indicator. A thyroid indicator is perceived by looking, you know, aiming your vision at the cheeks of the human face. And as I look at a human face, I feel or perceive a, a sponginess. Uh, it's porous. Now, I'm not actually seeing holes in people's face when I look at them, but I can, if you, if you think about what it's like to, to pick up a wet sponge in your kitchen sink and hold that in your hand 
and think uh-huh. about, well, if I'm looking at someone's cheeks and I'm feeling this texture in my hand, how would I combine that perception? And and what would look look like feeling that look like? That makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, and then obviously there are many others. What parts of the human body do you observe uh, for this? Is it mostly the face or what? Yeah, I would say about 90% of what I call the organ indicators are perceived from the human face. Um, prostate for men or genital urinary uh, indications for men, that's more of a, a whole body periphery. Uh, cardiovascular in men can be in the torso area or whole body periphery. Um, Spinal and neck indications are perceived by looking at the back and the shoulder area, but other than that, it's predominantly the human face where I where I gather my information. Wow, that's fantastic! Uh, it's, it's just wonderful. And so, now, John, are you able to teach this? I mean, teach other people to see the way you see? Yes, as, uh, as I wrote about in the book, the Cordum Technique, it will discuss. Some of what I've said to you now about in terms of how I found some physicians that would be interested in pursuing a study and how they set up that study. And initially, um, their their job was to observe my performance. But with each patient visit, they began to get curious because of the accuracy was so high. About halfway through the study, um, the nurse practitioner said, all right, I, I want to know how you do this. Explain to me how you do this. And so that's when I begin to teach her how to do it. And so you as the reader in the book, you're learning along with the, the nurse practitioner uh, as she's exploring how do I use my perception in such a way to identify these organ indicators. And at the same time, you don't need to be a healthcare provider or in the medical field to understand what I'm talking about because it's very important to say I have no medical training whatsoever Um you know, other than a general knowledge of, of biology and, and, a, and anatomy and physiology from high school, that is the extent of my knowledge of the human body. Wow. So this there's some times so... when I've been at lunch with people in a restaurant and I might identify someone and I'll just say, you know, as you look at this person, can you see what I'm talking about? And I have yet to, every time people say, yes, I do see what you're talking about. So it's really just bringing, bringing to people's attention what it is that I'm noticing that just hasn't been noticed yet. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's obviously quite a gift. And we're going to take a quick break here, John, and uh, learn more about how you're sharing your gift, both as a teacher and an author, uh, but also as uh, a featured guest on the Biography Channel's Unexplained program. And we will be back much more with John Cordham on the Huffman Connection. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. 
Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at HoffmanInstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit HoffmanInstitute.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to the Hoffman Connection. Now, we encourage anyone who would like to ask a question of our guest, John Cordum, to use the phone number 866 472 Fifty-seven eighty-eight, and John, I've known you, and sort of been part of your growing of uh, understanding this gift that you, um, I don't know, have brought into the world since you took the process twenty years or so ago. Um, getting more and more in touch with uh, this capacity that you have, that you're now teaching with your book. I want to ask a little bit about the um, unexplained TV series on okay. Annie's Biography Channel, and. You know, I, I've seen a few episodes um, where you were featured, and um, you know the, the people who, you know, given the show's name, unexplained, were people who um, the the standard medical community couldn't necessarily find um, a reasonable explanation for their um, symptomology. Is that something that's happened for you a lot? I mean, can you can you help the medical community? I would say that, you know, by and large, most of the people that I, that I work with have already gone through the, uh, conventional healthcare delivery system without, um, satisfaction or without getting a clear understanding of what's going on with them. And that's where using, being able to perceive the body's code of health really becomes useful. And, and I, the information I give them can redirect their physicians to look at this organ or that organ or what may be going on with the blood in a way that perhaps hasn't been tested or hasn't been considered in just a straightforward uh, medical evaluation. So yes, by right. and large, that's the that's how I work with people. And and most of most of what you see or the information you gather is in support of their traditional medical treatment. It's not the cordum technique isn't anti the whole Western medical structure at all. No, not at all, not at all. Um, it you know when I when I was working in the in the in the clinical. Uh, study, the doctors that I work with said, you know, here's the kind of forms that we use to evaluate people. Can you merge your perception with these forms so that way healthcare providers and people like you can discuss a common terminology together? Can you, can you make, create a marriage out of what you're doing with what we're doing? And so that's really what makes it powerful in terms of what this has to offer to healthcare delivery. Right. So then, um, you, you were approached by some of the people at A&E uh, 
who wanted to learn more about you and actually then feature you on the Unexplained show. How'd that come about? Well, um, in addition to um, my work, I am also a seminar leader, and I say I had one of the producers in, in one of my seminars um, about seven years ago. So we connected then, um, and he had ideas about um, exploring non-ordinary states of consciousness uh, and, and how he could present that in a, in a television format. So, I mean, he had the idea a number of years ago. So we just kept in touch over the years, and, and finally things did come together, and I was really pretty excited when I got the phone call saying, you know, are, are you willing to go live on camera and, and do what you do? And I was like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, I want to ask this question um, carefully. You know, there's in, in this whole non-traditional medical realm, there's a lot of um, whatever they used to call it, you know, charlatans, or there's a lot of... Um, energy around people selling snake oil, I guess is the term. Yes. <laughs> and and um, how do you keep yourself, even the work that you do, separate from that? I mean, I completely respect it, and obviously the, the medical community you've worked with um, completely respect it. And I, 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 would, I would hate to see this work kind of get misguided towards the whole snake oil agenda, if you will. You know, there's, there's a lot of funny stuff historically in, in non-traditional healing? Yes. Um, I would say that I realized um, in my early 30s, as I was putting together the, the correlating my perceptions with the organ systems, I said, you know, before, before I begin sharing this information, I really want to have it tested. I mean, I, I want to find out if what I'm seeing and what I'm saying is true and how true is it. You know, at that point, I didn't really have any feedback, so is it only 60% accurate? Is it only 7% accurate? Is it 80% accurate? And what what is considered a, a satisfactory, you know, performance level to then say, okay, this could actually be included in a, you know, conventional medical evaluation or, 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 or you know, to support a conventional medical evaluation. And so that's why I looked for... Um, the validation from the healthcare community. And, you know, the doctor and, and nurse practitioner that I work with, they were just not your, your ordinary uh, healthcare providers. Uh, the endocrinologists had, um, had taught at, at Georgetown University Medical Center, George Washington University Medical Center. Uh, the nurse practitioner had received her, her Master's of Science in Nursing from Catholic University. So these are very well-credentialed people that I was working with, and I knew that they were going to be able to coach me and guide me in ways that they saw as a way of improving the accuracy of the technique because they knew what what they want to find out this can do for healthcare. Were you just ecstatic when they jumped on board with you and, and it helped validate to the point of, you know, ninety some percent the the accuracy of your technique? You know, I was I was pretty excited that day that they said, you know, come on down. And I didn't really know the, the, the results until the study was over. I mean, I just knew I was doing well, and I kept going back for about, you know, for about 16 months. You know, Thursdays was my day in the office. Um, and I remember in February of... of 2003 when, they, when a meeting was called and I came in and they had just stacks of folders of all the, the clinical uh, information and said, you know, this is pretty powerful and it's time for you to make some noise. And I said, well, what does making noise mean? And they go, well, maybe you should write a book. And so I never thought I'd be writing a book. And so I said, well, okay, there's an idea. All right, 
So that's how it, it, it all began. So, John, do you see yourself then more as, at this point, an educator in the technique as opposed to a diagnostician or whatever term you're going to use in that way? I would say that that's where I see the the, the quartum technique having the, the greatest value is through teaching people about it. And, again, it doesn't have to only be health care providers um, because, I, you know, I can look in the mirror and look at my own face in the mirror and see my own indications of health. Hmm. Um, and if people could learn how to do that for themselves, you know, how, how might that affect their course of healing? Uh, I'm, I'm still continuing to work with people that, you know, really would like to meet with me. Uh, but I would say that I am moving much more now into teaching seminars, teaching people. And I do have my very first uh, Quartum Technique three-day training coming up here at the end of October uh, in the Washington, D.C. area. And it's open to anyone, um, health care providers and non-health care providers, anyone who's interested in learning about how to, to integrate their senses and what I call sensory integration. Uh, and and be introduced to this language of body indicators. And you see, so um, if people want to learn more about that, John, let's get your information out uh, on the show straight away. How do they find out about oh, the they course? Can go, they can go to my website, which is my name, John Cordum, and that's spelled J-O-H-N-K-O-R-T-U-M.com. Uh, and that's my website, and there they can link to my blog. But my website has most information about the upcoming training. And, and I've also, in order to further substantiate what I'm doing and make this available to the healthcare community, Ed and Raz, is I've, I've put together what's called the Impact Project. And I have a, a link to that on my website. And, and IMPACT is an acronym um, for Integrated Medical Practice and Cognitive Techniques. And basically what I've done is I have made an open invitation to any healthcare provider in the world that I'm willing to come to your country and meet with you and, you know, work with your patients in your office, show you how to do what I'm doing, or, you know, give a presentation to your medical staff. Uh, what I thought was really funny was I, I thought, you know, my own country, the United States, would be the first to, you know, contact me for this. Uh, so I was pretty excited when Ecuador contacted me and said, would you please come down and, and speak to us in Ecuador. And so I've put together this unscripted doc, documentary series where I just go anywhere in the world and set up my camera and I just, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea who I'll be presenting with or, or what's going to come up. And what was particularly interesting about this, this um, presentation in Ecuador is I was doing my slide presentation and my illustrations of indicators. And I know when I am speaking, people expect me to demonstrate and, and, and pick people out of the audience and say they have this and this. As I was talking about a particular indicator, one of the physicians in the room said, wait a minute, you mean the way that woman looks over there? And I wow. said, well, as a matter of fact, yes, she would be an example of this particular indicator, and I brought her up in front of the room. So there's, there's my validation that other people can perceive what I'm perceiving. Right. It's just teaching us how to look through a different lens at what we're already perceiving. And, and noticing the unnoticed. Right. And then in the book, all the different indicators have a specific correlative. So it, it relates to kidneys or heart disease or lungs, respiratory, whatever. Yes. Crazy. 
Wonderful, John. Well, we're going to take a quick break here and be right back uh, in just a minute or two. I want to encourage anyone who would like to ask John a particular question to use our phone line. It's 866-472-5788. 866-472-5788. And we'll be back in just a couple minutes here on the Hoffman Connection. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Hello, this is Raz and Grossi. We're back with John Cordham, and he's an author and the developer of the Cordham technique for diagnosing all kinds of illness with a accuracy above 93%. And, John, a um, couple of questions I'd like to pursue with you. Uh, so I guess what I want to ask is what is the normal or you know, the normal medical rate of accuracy in diagnosis? Medical science may have a better rate of diagnosis with certain kinds of, of uh, organ dysfunction or illness over other kinds. You know, so you know, you know, the accuracy of, of accurately uh, identifying breast cancer uh, may be very high, where you know pancreatic cancer may not be as high. So, um, you know, as I've been doing research on the internet and just some of my own uh, work. I haven't really come up with a number that's the single, you know, global number for this is how accurate our entire health right. care delivery system is. Well, I guess the bigger question for me then is what are the benefits um, in treatment? Uh, uh, one thing that occurs to me is that if you go to uh, third world countries, let's say, where uh, people are ill but they don't have sophisticated equipment, 
if healthcare providers were trained in your technique, they could diagnose with a high, higher level of accuracy and help people without, you know, all the expensive equipment. That's true because it's a it's a non-invasive observation-based technique. You know, I'm, I'm simply looking at people when I do this, um, so it doesn't require you know laboratory tests uh, or biopsies. And at the same time, you know, human perception is subjective. You know, not everybody perceives in the same way, and right. so that's one of the reasons why I find this technique powerful because you're working with a consistent code with the body, which will allow people to arrive at the same kinds of perception. And, you know, it's important to work with, with medical science with this. You know, it's not going to be a standalone technique. But in terms of third world countries, if you've asked about, in addition to, you know, the lack of, of, of equipment or getting equipment to remote locations, not only if they can use it to identify certain situations, but if they can perceive health imbalances six months or a year in advance and they get early notification before conventional medical tests can detect anything, then that is huge in terms of how that could transform health care for not only third world countries but for everyone. Right. And, John, now I have another question that's just been been waiting to ask you here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Um, I, I, I may fumble around a little bit trying to get at it, but are you able to understand um, the roots, the root causes of some kinds of diseases? Like if um, if there is something you mentioned earlier, a thyroid uh, issue, are you also able to get any sense of why that person has that thyroid issue? Well, in the book, you know, in addition to the organ indicators, I go with I talk about what's called intra-organ dialogue, um, where I've learned how to communicate with the body. And I know that medical science is, is really going to see this as a leap. But based on the accuracy of the indicators, I'm inviting medical science to, to stay tuned and keep listening to what I'm talking about. But now I move into a mode of what I call hearing with my eyes, where I've been learn, learned to perceive vibrational textures in the local atmosphere around a human being um, and much like uh, if you look at weather people have like a local climate uh, around them that I can perceive and that tells me information about what may be going on with that person as to what's motivating their illness now over time I've noticed consistency between organ dysfunction and what might be going on with that person so for example as I work with people that have respiratory conditions, um, and I call these this information that I perceive vibrationally, I call it perceptual causality because it's, a, it's currently how they're perceiving the world. So again, it's, it's, it's not fixed. It can be negotiated, but at least you need to identify in the moment what is the, the perceptual causality. So for people that have respiratory indications, they often perceive the world as a place of injustice. Hmm. And so as I'm working with those people, um, I will support them in how to move out of that conversation about the way life is. And I think, you know, you'll find working as, as people come into the Hoffman Quadrinity process, as the, as the process teachers meet with the people on the first day and they've gone over their information, they have a pretty good idea of what that person's conversation is about life. Right. Um, in terms of the patterns they're going to work on. And for me, those conversations tell me about their organs. Wow. 
So, John, um, you are, what did you call it, intra-organ? Intra-organ communication and organ dialogue. Uh-huh. So, explain. <laughs> Go ahead, Ed. I'll, dif- I'll differentiate the two. The intra-organ communication tells me if the whole body system is, is in communication with each other. You know, uh-huh. is, the, is the respiratory system in communication with the digestive system, with the neurological system? You know, in addition to if people may have organ indicators, if I notice that the body is not communicating with the whole body system, it doesn't necessarily result in illness, but it can certainly create a lethargy in the system that could slow the response to medical treatments or it could slow the response of the body's own ability to um, maintain stasis. When I'm talking about the organ dialogue, that's when I'll be dialoguing with someone's liver or lungs that's giving me information and, and and I already know going into someone with a respiratory condition that there may be some elements of injustice but as I'm working with people on an individual basis then I'll get more detail as I'm working with that particular person about what might be motivating the health imbalance. Right, I remember in uh, Carolyn Mace's book who does call herself a medical intuitive you know she, why people don't heal you know that, that there's these underlying conversations that keep the pathology showing up in the body and um, that might be a good way of talking, John, about what you've seen or experienced in yourself or in others in terms of that conversation and the process, how how you may have seen um, our work and yours link in different ways. Um, yeah, two examples of that. I mean, I can talk about as, as I've – because I've taken the process and I've also taken um, the graduate program a couple of times uh, as I just continue to work on my own development – and what's interesting about the organ indicators is that when people are, are homing in on the core issues or the underlying motivations of organ dysfunction, the body responds in real time and the indicators will begin to transform. Um, they'll reduce or they'll go away completely, which tells me that person is moving in a healing direction. Um, sometimes when people are taking medications with their doctors, I can look at them and see that the indicator is not changing, so I know that that particular medication is ineffective. And then there are times when I look at them and I can say, okay, yes, that medication is working. And so in terms of healing in the process, I can take a look at, yeah, I know going into the process we've got, you know, a dumpster full of patterns that we're going to be working with. And, you know, some might be, you know, a first degree or kind of a mild pattern that's occasionally irritating, and then there can be the third degree monumental, you know, dark side that, that we're dealing with. Right. But as people are working on each one of those those patterns, the body responds to me, as I've seen people in the process, letting me know, you know, that, that that's really a deep-rooted pattern that if they would, you know, continue continue to pursue that and trace that to reveal what other patterns are hooked to that, that that will really result in the most benefit for their wellness and healing. Right. Things like shame or being undeserving or or victim stories or things like that. Yeah. That you were talking about as patterns. And so then you've seen do you have any 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 um vignettes or stories of of anything like that that would be interesting to the audience? Uh well I can talk about certainly in the process when I when I was working on my own 
recycling of traits and you know I was getting uh, I was really using a lot of body catharsis as I was going through my own experience and I just had to take a, a moment as I was sitting there in the group to um, to breathe and so I you know I, I kind of backed up and looked around at the room um, and got to see everybody else going through their process and um, there were some people that I had met at the process that I, I had identified had some organ indicators and there was one particular person I saw that uh, as they were recycling I was actually watching them negotiate with their illness in real time and I had never seen that before um, I was blown away um, I mean I stopped what I was doing to, to watch what this person was experiencing from from my perspective in terms of the impact that they were having on their own biology as they were processing through and recycling these negative traits into positive uh, traits. So you saw something in this person's outward face that showed a certain indicator changing or altering? Yes, in real time. Wow. That must be pretty amazing. Uh, you know, I was I was pretty excited about that, and when, and when I came back and told the doctors about it, you know, we began including that in how we worked with people, because the Gestalt therapist that I worked with, as, as we would once we identified organ indicators with people, we would then engage a Gestalt process for them to, you know, for them to begin to identify, very much like what you may have saw on the unexplained, as I was working with Provi in the wheelchair. You know, is asking her to begin to, you know, dialogue with her own body and see what it's revealing to her. Right. And a lot of times I know what's going on, but the real power is that people connect for themselves because then that's when they're really um, invested now in what's happening. Because sometimes if I just tell people for them what's going on, it's not real for them until they make the connection. Yeah, that's a great statement. You know, I think any any person in the healing field, whether it's a therapist or, or a cardiologist, would say that the power of being invested in so in your own healing is what really um, makes a lot of difference. Absolutely. What were you going to say, Raz? Well, John, I wanted to uh, ask you this. I mean, I, I think that, uh, well, to simplify it, I think that one of the findings of mind-body medicine is that love is correlated to healing and fear is correlated to disease and uh, I was wondering if if in your observations you uh, find that find any accuracy in that statement in that general statement and and uh, does love generally uh, move us toward healing well, I mean, that's a very good question because i I know some people that are positive and upbeat and they may have some pretty um big health challenges and I know people that might be negative and not very positive and you know we all have an aunt Gladys that might live to be 104 and you know she's not the most fun person to be with but her longevity just goes on and on <laughs> so you know there there may be more to it than just you know what is love and what is fear well um, okay so John let me just pursue this a little bit further what I was thinking about is that you you talked about people's uh symptoms or what you could observe Reducing as they were working on releasing things in the in the Hoffman work, and what of course we work on releasing what we call negative love patterns, namely things that people falsely identify as love, so they think that a certain 
behavior or a certain attitude is love, but it's actually a negative behavior. And as they release their attachment to that negativity, they move into uh, the zone of real love. And uh, so it just seemed to me that as, as people, I'm not talking about being positive or negative people, I'm talking about um, releasing our attachments to to feeling unlovable or to you know being angry or other kinds of behavioral uh, uh, predispositions that we have and and moving into a, a more not necessarily po- it's, a, it's positive but it's not falsely happy it's just authentic loving compassionate presence and I'm just wondering if you if you have any correlations in that area. I would say that, um, you know, a person may find themselves in their lives and say, you know, I'm a, I'm a loving person, but then why am I not well? And I think that what we've discovered in the Hoffman process is there is functional love and there's dysfunctional love. There's what is called negative love. And most people really aren't aware of that, and they think that they're a loving in a loving place, but as we have discovered in the process, we begin to find out what we've, we've been dealing in counterfeit love currency in go. our lives that we've been spending. And then we wonder why we feel like we're broke. <laughs> yeah, I've been so nice all along. We've got to uh, jump to a quick break, John, on, on that um, really wonderful analogy. Uh, we've got John Cordham on the line, uh, author and creator of the Cordham Technique, who can teach all of us how to read certain indicators to learn more about our own systems and the, and the health of others as well. Um, so we'll take a quick break here and be back for our final segment in just a minute or so on the Hoffman Connection. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. 
To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McLoon, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Hello, this is Raz and Grossi with Ed McLoon, and we're talking with our guest, John Cordham, who is the developer of the Cordham Technique for Medical Diagnosis. Uh, and for just observing people in a new way, a kind of a synthesis of senses, you might say, that lead to a third possibility of seeing people and diagnosing things and understanding illnesses in ways that have never uh, been known before. I think we've all heard of things like acupuncture and know that acupuncturists feel people's pulses and know what to do. But John has... um, found another way of observing the body and knowing what's going on, and he's written a book. He's teaching courses. John, when is your um, when and where is your course? Uh, the premiere, you know, the first time that I'll be offering a, a three-day Cordum Technique training will be October 26th, 27th, and 28th uh, at the, in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, and you can get information and details on my website at www dot john dot com and cordum is spelled k-o-r-t-u-m so it's john dot com and john what is the uh, tuition for that course uh it's 595 dollars great and so three days uh and uh people can learn the cordum technique in those three days and to begin a a journey of uh being able to see the world in a different way um and john is there I just want to know if there's like what is the future of your work? What is what is uh, calling you now? Uh, you 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 created it. You have written a book. You've documented it. Clinical observations. Uh, now you're starting to teach people. Um, what if you could you know wave your magic wand? What impact would you want your work to have in the world? Well, if your healthcare provider knew how to observe these indicators like I can, whenever you went for your checkup or whatever and could get a heads up on anything that they might perceive, to me that would be, um, you know, wellness-based health care at the very core. Uh, And so I would like to see that happen, uh, and there's probably some ways that that I don't know yet. Um, I'm really excited about what's happening with the unexplained because of the uh, overwhelming affirming feedback. Um, there's a possibility of another season, so if I have an opportunity to demonstrate these skills once again on national television, um, that would be awesome. I have I had a lot of fun with TV. That was really a lot of fun for me. Um, and I'll continue to you know work with people and assist them as I can. Uh, and and I'm pretty wide open. I'm excited about my impact project in terms of extending it to to doctors anywhere in the world. Uh, so you know I'm an open book at this point, Raz. Hmm. Well, I'm excited to hear about, you know, the the implications for, uh, you know, a, a lot of a, a lot of doctors and healthcare providers are finding their way into areas where people don't have much healthcare uh, and and much support, and with the incredible costs of healthcare uh, these days, it just seems that this is a a way for doctors and nurses and other healthcare providers to diagnose with a lot of accuracy uh, and without a lot of equipment and be able to help people maybe in a you know more directly. Have you learned 
or are you discovering any non-ordinary treatments? When I work with people, Raz, I, I work more on having them identify, you know, some of the limiting or negative patterns that may be in their life. Um, and I'm, I'm not really working in a capacity right now with, with uh, conventional medical treatments or pharmaceuticals. Right. Um, again, I, I don't come from that background. Uh, but, but what is available to people is their own exploration of themselves, and that's available right. at no cost, and they can do it wherever they are. All it takes is, is their commitment to do so. Well, Ed and I, and I'm sure Ed would chime in with me here, but as teachers of the Hoffman process, I mean, every, every time we teach, we witness changes in people and uh, improvements in in all kinds of things, uh, in, including their faces. <laughs> you know, the, okay. the big the big indicator is usually people's faces often look different. You know, halfway through the week. Yeah. So, a little, so uh, maybe as 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 Hoffman process teachers, you've learned to uh, identify you know what you might call indicators that relate to behavioral patterns or traits in people. Given that, that you've spent so much time in this arena, being you know repeatedly exposed to working with people and their traits, that you guys might be actually using a, a form of, of perceptual technique or the cordum technique yourselves, and not even knowing it. Absolutely, well, and I think John, that's <laughs> the, the brilliance of your work is that actually we all humans have had the experience of kind of even you know poetry or literature is full of indicators. Of, of describing people's facial features that indicate something, whether it's a jaundiced look or, you know, there's, we all know we can feel, we can sense something and you're just, you know, you've tuned into this to the point of being able to name it, codify it and give it back to people. Yes. Well, we often find that, uh, things like, um, the, uh, what are they called? The general, uh, the intestinal tract, lots of times people have issues there. Uh, lots of times there are back problems or headache issues or a lot of things just tend to, we can't predict them exactly, we don't, but working on negative love issues frees up people's bodies in remarkable ways. So um, I know that these, there's, I know that you're onto something because we see it. And, um, now, John, so you are uh, going to be doing the A&E show again, do you, you believe, this next year? Well, I don't know. The The producers are waiting to hear if, if a second season will be approved, and then, you know, I'm waiting to hear whether or not I'll be included in that second season. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. They've, they've collected a, a very uh, unique group of people. People are calling us the psychic super friends. They're calling us the theosophical thunderbirds. If you remember the, the puppet animation from the 1960s with the thunderbirds. And it's like they've got a team of people that all have these individual abilities like spirit channeling and people that can assist law enforcement with missing people and they have psychic mediums. And so depending on whatever case they're working on, it depends on which one of the super friends gets to go in on the job. Um, but I would say too that the the unexplained is, is presenting this um, these abilities of the people in a very credible, very very well produced manner, and, and the show is just getting overwhelming, affirming review. And that's on A and E's biography channel, and the show's called The Unexplained. 
John, we're going to uh, finish off the show. I, I'm so glad it was, it was a really, really quick hour, and I'm, I'm thankfully that you took the time to be with us this afternoon. Uh, uh, thank you. This has been this has been a blast. <laughs> Good. Thanks again, John. And next week, let's see. We are going to be interviewing Krista Luminar, Luminaire, and uh, Krista has come up with some amazing therapeutic techniques and discovery methods for people to move more deeply into love, to increase and improve their relationships and their general sense of well-being. Krista has done the Hoffman process, and she's done her own work. She's a real uh, people who know her just love her, and she opens up the world for people. So I uh, hope you'll tune in next week. And, John, thanks again for being with us. John Cordham, and look him up at johncordham.com. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Ed. So good to have you. And if you'd like to learn more about our work, the Hoffman Process, you can go to our website, hoffmaninstitute.org. There you'll find information about our courses, our teachers, and also a free confidential introductory call that happens 5 o'clock Pacific time every Tuesday afternoon right after our show here on the West Coast. Raz, thanks for being with me. It was great. I'll talk to you again next week. You got it. Thanks, Ed. Bye-bye. All right. Bye now. Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week.